Our Father, thank you so much uh, that you are a good and gracious God, uh, that you have justified us freely by your grace in the death and resurrection of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank you that through him we have the certainty of peace with you, the certainty of that peace with you now, even amongst the suffering of our broken world, and of course the certain hope of peace with you then when we see you face to face. And so, Father, we pray you'd help us to see this morning that our anchor in disappointment is that peace with you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I've been reflecting all week on some of the disappointments of my life. And uh, to be honest, I, I don't actually feel like I'm that disappointed at all, really. Uh, in fact, I feel quite satisfied, maybe blessed even, with uh, the life that I have. And of course, there are always those little disappointments in life. You know, the coffee uh, wasn't as good as what they said it was, or that new cafe, um, the movie, well, that was a little bit overrated, I expected a bit more, or that new album from that band you like, you know, to be honest, their new stuff isn't as good as their old stuff, or there's the disappointment constantly of the NBN, right? But if I actually dare just to scratch below the surface a little bit, well then there are a number of things that I think I'm more profoundly disappointed with. Uh, I can recall all the moments of disappointment with myself. You know, the times where I've lacked self-control or I've given in to bitterness or anger or my own insecurities. Uh, All the moments that I've not lived out who I'm called to be or even who I want to be. And then I can recall the moments that I've been profoundly disappointed with others. You know, when people haven't acted as I think they should have. Or when others haven't responded or engaged with me in the way that I hoped that they would. Or when my advice hasn't been heeded as the the wise and profound counsel that it is. And of course I can recall some of those moments when I've even been disappointed with God himself. You know, when he's not answered my prayers in the way that I want him to answer them. Uh, When my efforts for his name haven't produced the great harvest of fruit that I have desired. Or, Or when our church has spent so much time and energy to love and care and pastor and disciple and evangelize the people here amongst us and in our community and yet people have left feeling uncared for or even unmoved by the gospel. I feel disappointment, profound disappointment in those times and yet I don't feel like disappointment is something that I've given much thought to in my life. It's not even really a category that I think about on its own. But very clearly disappointment is a feature of my life because I can picture the moments of disappointment and because I can identify the feeling. And I think it's important for us to at least acknowledge and wrestle with disappointment because disappointment is one of those things that really affects our contentment in life and our gratefulness or perhaps our lack thereof. And so here's the big question this morning. What are you disappointed with? Now you might be disappointed with your parents, right? You really wish they'd given you those cello lessons when you were younger or at least forced you through all the levels of piano instead of bailing out at grade two. Maybe you wish they had given you a better education. Or perhaps you're disappointed with your work and you think, how did I end up doing this job 
Right? What am I doing with my life? Or maybe it's not just your work. Maybe it's the disappointment with your boss or your work colleagues. Maybe you're disappointed with your spouse or your partner. Maybe you're disappointed with your children. Right? You're not allowed to voice that one. You can think it though. I actually think here's a good place for us to pause and for you to think about that question. What are you disappointed with? You've got a full A5 blank page right here. I'm going to give you uh, like 30 seconds for profound reflection. So maybe write down what are some of the things you're disappointed with. They're profound disappointments. Uh, Maybe you want to think in these categories, disappointments with others, uh, with yourself or disappointment with God. Let me give you a moment to write that down or to think about that seriously. Quite an uncomfortable silence, isn't it? Sitting there, dwelling on your disappointment. I spent a few moments this week in that uncomfortable silence, trying to think about all the things I've been disappointed with. But I don't think it's possible for us actually to talk about disappointment without talking about hope and expectation. Because disappointment, well, it feeds off our hopes and expectations, doesn't it? It's hard to be disappointed if you don't hope for anything or don't expect anything from anybody. So Alexander Pope famously said, in the style of the Beatitudes, he called this the Ninth Beatitude, blessed is he who expects nothing, for he shall never be disappointed. And it's true, right? But really that's only half the problem, because he's right, sometimes the problem is with the object of our hope, you know, our hope is misplaced and we, uh, and, uh, we expect from it what it can't deliver for us. Uh, so you might expect to be eternally young and to defeat the seven signs of ageing with your oil of Olay or whatever it is now, right? Uh, you might expect to be happy all the time, but you can't. No one can deliver that for you. You are ageing and, of course, happiness is not something which you can experience 24-7. Uh, mostly these expectations are really just the result of an advertising industry that is in the business of disappointment and discontentment so they can sell you their solution. Right? Sometimes the problem is with the object of our hope. But sometimes it's just the level of our expectation that is our problem. Right? We might place our hope in something which is good and proper and right, but our expectations of that thing don't match what we hope in. And the pages of the Bible are full of stories about human disappointment from misplaced hope or flawed expectations. 
Uh, typically because human beings place their hope in fickle things or because we try to realise the glory of God here and now in our own strength. And I think either of these are a constant feature in the human story. One, misplaced hope, or two, over-realised expectations of future glory here and now in the present. And so as we think about our own experience of disappointment, we're going to look at each of these things in turn. And So here's the first, misplaced hope. And, and I want to again begin this uh, with, a, with a question for you to seriously think about. Uh, what do your profound disappointments say about the location of your hope? Because your disappointments will invariably demonstrate what you love and value. Right? As, as you look at the disappointments that you've written on that page, what do they imply about what you hope and value? I'm so disappointed with my job. Right? I, I hoped it would be more meaningful than this, and yet I feel like I'm just stuck in bureaucracy. Now, I'm so disappointed with my marriage. I, I really hoped getting married would fulfil my needs and, and at least kind of get rid of loneliness. Now, I'm so disappointed in my children. I, I hoped my kids would give me a better sense of, of purpose, maybe, maybe even achievement. Now, I'm so disappointed in the government. I really hoped that they would show some leadership on important issues and usher in important change. I'm so disappointed with the church because I really did hope that the church would provide for me some new and meaningful friendships. Right? We put our hopes in all kinds of things, good things even, but can you see even from those few examples that none of these good things can bear the weight of those hopes and expectations? Right? No marriage can meet the hope of fulfilling all your needs. No government can bring in the effect of change that we desire for our society. No church can even provide for all your relational needs. Now, even though all those things are good, they cannot be the object of your hope because they are each imperfect and fallible as we experience them now. Instead, Paul gives us a better place for our hope. And it's right there at the beginning of Romans chapter 5, the first two verses. Paul writes, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Now, here is a certain place for our hope. We have been justified through faith and we have peace with God. Uh, not the sort of peace that is really just an absence of conflict, uh, a type of ceasefire, but a positive and proactive peace with God, a peace that gives us access, open access with God, a gracious peace in which we now stand. Here is a hope that neither rests on your efforts or on the shoulders of anyone else except Jesus. But Jesus was a human being, and given the failure of all human beings to live up to our hopes and expectations, perhaps putting your hopes on this one man might not fill you with confidence. And yet Jesus has some great credentials, doesn't he? 
that he is worthy of our hope because Jesus doesn't means test your justification. That he is worthy of our hope because Jesus doesn't wait until you are a good or righteous person before he saves you. Jesus is worthy of our hope because, verse 8, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And if God has done the hard bit of rescuing his enemies, of proving the enormity of his love and the hope of his glory by reconciling us to himself through the death of Jesus, then verse 10, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Right? Every other object that we put our hope in will let you down. Because it might promise life, but it too will also pass away. No, there is only one man who has conquered the grave, been victorious over death to eternal life. And every other object that we put our hope in will let you down because it might promise grace, but it will also ask you to give what you cannot give. No, only the blood of one man, of our Lord Jesus, is sufficient to bring God's foes into God's family. But for many of us, the cause of our profound disappointment is simply that we have misplaced our hope. And in one sense, the disappointment that comes from misplaced hope, I think, is actually easier to deal with because in those cases, I think disappointment is a gracious gift of God for us. Now, by sheer grace, God won't permit us to pin our hopes to perishable things. By sheer grace, he won't abandon us to rely on the vanity of idols or the futility of our own meagre strength. Now, if God is gracious to us, he'll let us experience disappointment so that we might redirect our hopes and expectations to where they can be reliably placed. Because it's not that we don't hope enough as human beings, but that we hope too much in the wrong things. And when we don't put our hope in what is certain and assured, then we are bound to be disappointed. Disappointed by others, by election results, by technology or even by ourselves. And so here's the hard question we started with. What do your profound disappointments say about the location of your hope? And how might the hope of God's glory and peace anchor you in the storm of disappointment? Right, they're the hard questions for us to think about as we think about misplaced hope. But here is the second thing, adjusted expectations. And I think the disappointment that comes from misplaced hope, well, that's one thing to deal with. But this second cause of disappointment, I think, is some it's kind of harder to make sense of for us. And that is our over-realised expectations of future glory in the present. Now, I think that's really hard for us to make sense of because you do place your hope in the right and reliable and proper thing. right? You do place your hope in what Jesus has done, not in your own strengths. And you do trust in your justification and the reconciliation of peace with God right? through faith uh, by grace in the death and resurrection of Jesus. But you still feel disappointed. 
Aren't you disappointed with the lack of evidence for God's promises in the here and now? And you long to see the fruit of future glory realised in the present, especially if Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2 are true. Right? If we have peace with God through Jesus Christ, then why don't I feel like I experience more of his favour? Why do I struggle so much with my sin or my health or with others? Now, why do I find it so hard to keep meaningful friendships? Now, why is the church not more engaging or welcoming or gracious? Now, where is the evidence for the change and transformation of his people? Now, if we have peace with God and we stand in his grace, then why is there still testing and trials and suffering to endure? Now, in short, the question we're asking Why does the experience of the Christian life look so disappointing? Now, the answer that Paul gives is in verse 3. Not only do we boast in the future hope of the glory of God, but we also glory now in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame or disappoint us, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Now, the answer Paul gives is one that readjusts our expectations of the Christian life. Yes, our hope is reliably placed in Jesus Christ who justified us by grace through faith. Right? We, we do have the hope of the glory of God, but that doesn't exempt us from suffering and affliction in the present. Instead, Paul says that we are to expect them. In fact, we even glory in the sufferings that we endure now. Why? Well, because God uses affliction to strengthen our hope and to shape our desires that we long for the complete fulfilment of our peace with God. This is our anchor in the disappointments of life. Our anchor is that we have peace with God now but we still await the concrete realisation of that peace in every area of life. That is our future hope. And this hope, when it is finally realised, will not disappoint because while we wait, we are reassured constantly by God's love for us and our love for God inspired by the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit keeps pointing us back to the objective reality of what Christ has done for us and the Holy Spirit points us forward to the glorious future of his children that we eagerly expect and wait for. Now perhaps you can feel the tension in those two things because if you hold this hope in Jesus and the love of God God has been poured out into our hearts, well, then you're right to expect extraordinary things among God's people. And I think you're right to expect the change and transformation of his people. And you're right to expect the power of the gospel to change lives, to see more and people come to know this assurance of hope and peace with God. But we should also expect hardship and sickness and failure and disappointment because we live now also in this broken world that is still awaiting its full redemption. 
See, here's how Paul puts it just a little bit further on in Romans 8, verses 18 to 25. He says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subject to frustration in hope that the creation itself would be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to this present time. We feel it. We ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we are saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all for who hopes for what they already have. And yet if we hope for what we do not have, we wait for it patiently. You see, there are a lot of things in this world that will disappoint you. And I guess there are a few different ways that you can deal with it. You could either A, just work harder, right? put more pressure on yourself and on others to fulfil your hopes and expectations. Or B, you could empty yourself of all hope and expectation. Right? That's kind of a Buddhist approach. and I think probably a far more difficult road to take, but you might find some comfort in Stoic philosophy or perhaps a practice of pessimism you might find helps you there. Or C, you could let your disappointment with this broken world drive you towards the sure hope that we have in Jesus. To constantly keep replacing your hope back on Jesus whenever it wanders astray. And then to readjust your expectations whenever you try to realise the future glory here in the present, right now. That's another option for you. But I guess the hard question is what we started off with. How do you need to readjust your expectations for the hope of God's glory here and now? And what is your anchor in the storm of disappointment? Because there is a place for your hope that will not disappoint you or put you to shame. And it's the only place where life and peace is to be found. The only thing that is certain and sure is our salvation through the Lord Jesus and the peace of God that we experience now and will know fully then. Now, in many ways, I think this sermon has been quite disappointing. I'm a little disappointed with it. I feel like the exegesis of Romans 5 has been fairly light. I haven't really gone into it very much. I haven't really looked at some of the other passages in the Bible. Psalm 73 is good for disappointments. I haven't kind of looked forward or explored the idea of contentment or satisfaction. I haven't really given you many concrete ideas for what you can do or how you can help one another in disappointment. But that's okay. Because my anchor, our anchor in disappointment is in peace with God. The expectation of peace with God now amidst the brokenness of this world in suffering and failure and affliction and the hope fully realised peace of God that we will know then when we see him face to face. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you that even in the midst of our disappointment with this world, that you assure us by your peace, that we have your Holy Spirit 
that brings your love into our hearts and assures us of our love for you through the Lord Jesus Christ and his death. Father, we thank you that we have this sure hope and we pray that in the midst of our disappointment that you would help us to either readjust our hopes and where they're placed or to adjust our expectations so that we don't over-realise what it is we're anticipating. Father, we look forward to that day and we pray that, it's, that you speed its coming. In Jesus' name, Amen.